Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I was on a real movie set a few weeks ago, dressed like I was loving the 80s and following the cue to walk back and forth and back and forth down a street until they got the shot that they needed. This is us star, Justin Hartley was actually on set. So intrigued by my own experience working in front of the cameras, I enjoyed this experience of being a voyeur, watching the crew, the cameras, the director, the actors trying to make all of these pieces come together. Now this was just one of many projects filming that day in the city. In fact, at the time, casting director Alona Smythe had four movie productions needing talent that day. Alona has left her studios today to join me in mine for a very unique, I think creative, inspiring look at how a young woman built herself an incredibly sought after business while raising a young child and being very aware of how mental health and about how being able to kind of know what we want in life can affect the entire picture. So welcome to Living Your Life with Leanne Lang, the podcast brought to you by Extension Marketing. And of course, if you're looking for more information, you can always head to extensionmarketing.com. Thanks so much for listening and for tuning in, for sharing, for liking, subscribing. It's been wonderful to see the podcast grow. I am really excited for this one. Alona, welcome. Thanks. My first podcast. I know. I which, love them, though. Which I'm surprised at because, you know, with your story and with so much information, this is the first time that you've kind of swapped the Yeah, a little bit. I, I'm pretty busy sometimes. <laughs> Slightly busy. I I got that sense yeah. when I saw you as I was kind of whirlwind coming in. Yeah, uh, that was to kind a of, fun day. That was a very yeah. interesting day. Yeah. I'm going to say that, but it was like I was also watching you. Oh, I like watching people, <laughs> uh, and just to see all of the juggling. Yeah, you're like a master juggler. Well, that was my first time on set wrangling background in almost six years. Um, it's usually just my associates who do it, but we had so much going on. We had 250 on one set, 150 on another set downtown that you just got to go back into the trenches sometimes. <laughs> that, that, it's, it's, almost like, it's almost like the CEO having to kind of go and, and Yeah, and, and it's work fun. I still room. love it. And mm-hmm. the best about building this business is when I started, I started doing that. So all my staff that works for me, I'm like, I get it all. I understand it all because I've done it all. So there's none of that you know, feeling of, well, I don't do it. Right. It's just, you've done it. Yeah. I've done it and I'll do it again if I have to, but I'm usually outsourcing new clients. Yeah. You're, you're usually, you're, you're <laughs> yeah. working with the talent. Yeah. You're not typically working with yeah. the background people that were walking back yeah, and forth yeah. uh, to fill But to I fill love space. them all dearly. Well, it, it, they all, all yeah. the pieces need to be working, right? 100%. For a production to work. Yeah. So can I ask you, I mean, I've, I've known of your name. I've yeah. known of the agency for quite some time. Mm-hmm. And this is, a, I find your story very interesting because you don't typically see uh, a young woman, woman. I, I it's just one of me. <laughs> you know, to be able to kind of cre- create this. So like, yeah. were you always like, are, were you a kid that grew up watching movies, loving oh movies, God, being yes. into it? Like, where did this stem from? So uh, I would spend a lot of my summers in Toronto with my grandparents and they didn't necessarily have cable, but they had this great teak little 
um, cabinet that had all these old movies. Um, so like, you know, Doris Day and Rock Hudson, rest in peace yesterday, Doris yes, Day. I know. Um, and, uh, you know, Ingrid Bergman and Humphrey Bogart and Clark Gable and Cary Grant, all these people. And that's what I grew up watching. Um, on like my the weekends. I loved it. I loved it all. And, um, yeah, and I, I'm, I'm like an avid reader. And when I read, you think about what those characters would look like in your head. And that's mm-hmm. essentially what I get to do for a living, which is fantastic. Um, but I loved all that old Hollywood stuff. Well, and I'm thinking, too, when you look at the classics, yeah. how much really innovative, creative thinking they had to do to be able to capture the feel of it because they didn't have the the CGI. Like, they didn't have everything yeah. that we have now. Like, they had to create yeah. and figure out how this was going to yeah. work. Yeah. Very. I mean, I don't do any of that tech stuff. <laughs> Probably couldn't. Um, but I don't know. It's very interesting. And even yesterday, like, Doris Day died. And uh, I was working with two of my staff. And I had mentioned, like, we're looking at uh, Cary Grant's uh, ex-wife as well as his daughter and uh, for options for our next movie. And they're like, who's Cary Grant? And I was like, <gasps> What? How do you guys not know this? I was like, okay, we need to have a lesson on this. But, I mean, That's the younger stuff, I yeah, take it. That they know the, uh, yeah. the Sprouse brothers and all the like really young. Yeah, kids. you know what? My my kids now. Andy's fourteen. Jamie's eleven. They're naming celebrities, and I used to think that I was really yeah, you know I was up, on, up on things, and especially working in the newsroom, I kind of yeah. knew everything that was happening in the entertainment mm-hmm. world. And they're mentioning people to me now, and I'm and I'm finally getting that what my parents got when I was talking oh, right. about you know like <laughs> when Madonna and yeah. you know Wham and all these people were starting to come out, or like Teen Beat and Seventeen mm-hmm. Magazine were coming out. Like I would. Yeah. I, I've now realized that I'm But now we also have YouTubers and yes. Instagrammers and right. all of that. Yeah, I'm thinking I know the actors and actresses and singers, but they'll say something and they're, and I'm like, who, what? And they're mm-hmm. like, no, no, they're a YouTuber or yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Or even like music leads mm-hmm. and it's crazy. Yeah. Do you ever look at those places for talent too? So I do. Um, although... Uh, because I go to a lot of the markets, like the European film market, the American film market, um, and meeting with different distribution companies, there was a small amount of time where looking at YouTubers to star in movies to help bring their following. Mm-hmm. But then what you kind of realize is the kids that follow these YouTubers want to see them being genuinely themselves. Right. They don't want to see them pretending to be someone else. They'd rather pay 40 bucks and go see them at the mall than 12 whatever to go see the movies be something and they're not. Be, okay. That's interesting yeah. that you, you you tend to figure out what these yeah. markets are looking for. Okay, so you grow up watching all of the classics. All the classics. <laughs> reading a ton of books. I find it interesting that yeah. you, when you're reading the books, you were creating characters, yeah. what they look like, mm-hmm. how they were going to act in your head. Yeah. Do, you, do you find most people in your position do that? Because I think we all independently, like, okay, let's take Fifty Shades of Grey, for okay, example, great. right? <laughs> we all had our own Christian Grey in our head, yeah, right? Sure so it was did. almost like... For so many people, mm-hmm. casting that one role, everyone had their own fantasy. Yeah. That was probably one of the hardest yeah. roles to cast. I think they did a brutal job, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> Jamie Dornan time. probably wasn't the best. Not the best at all. And it's so great because like, even in the preview, you see this beautiful back, and you're like, okay, all right, I like yeah, this. Yeah. And then he turns around, and you're like, oh, the boy next door. Yeah, Not what no. I was going for. Yeah, I thought that was a bad casting. Yeah. Well, they had, um, who do they have before that? The Sons of Anarchy guy. Yeah. yeah. It's going to drive me nuts that I can't think of his name right now. But that was an... Oh, no, Veronica's yelling. What? Not no. Kim Coates. Oh, no, God, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, we know what her Fifty Shades, her, her Mr. Gray is. <laughs> Clearly. 
Dearly Kim Coates. That's amazing. <laughs> Who's great. <laughs> I love Kim Dearly. But um, uh, his name is totally escaping yeah, I know, me. Mine but um, that was like a bad business move, I'd say, for him. Because he chose to do King Arthur and finish out the rest of Fifty Shades. But when you're a TV actor and you're moving to features, you're a business yourself. And you're worth based on the sales of that movie depend and turning down that movie that had a built in audience to do King Arthur, which did not and didn't do great was probably not the best choice. I'm sure hmm. his agent could have given a little bit of better advice. <laughs> a little, little different advice. Yeah. Okay. So we're, we're kind of going through this, your book reading, you're seeing this stuff. Yeah. Where in all of this, do you do, where do you study? What are you looking at? Like, how are you advancing yourself? Because I don't me? think you thought right at, you know, at this age oh, that oh, I'm going to be a casting director. I didn't director. even know that was a, a huge agency. It was like, yes. you know, nurse, doctor, lawyer, policeman. You, it was very there's basic. There's three of you, three time. siblings? Yes. Okay. I'm and you youngest. were in Toronto? No, we were in Ottawa. You were all in Ottawa. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. grandparents were in Toronto. Grandparents were in Toronto. You guys are here. Yeah. Yeah. Easy childhood? Amazing childhood. Yeah. I like literally grew up like Leave it to Beaver. Best parents. Yeah. Have great. we had many guests sitting in this chair? <laughs> no, it's like I don't think we have. They're still, no. and they're like they've been together since you know they're fourteen. They're madly <gasps> in love still. Your like, parents have been together since they're fourteen. Yeah, yeah. It's so gross, but beautiful at the same time. <laughs> like in high school, I'd come home and catch them on the couch and be like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> like it was polar opposites. They're still crazy about each other. It's it's That's so really special. really cute. Yeah, yeah. But they're the best humans, and they never like told us or limited us in any way about what we would be. And my sister's very successful. She's the golden child. But we all like, you know, he was like, just be happy and do what you love. Yeah. Alana, you have a massive casting agency. Yeah. And, she, and, and yet she's a successful <laughs> She <one>. really is. <laughs> what does yeah. she do? Um, so she works for Canada Basketball or Basketball Canada. She always gets mad at me because it's the opposite. And what she does is she watches different basketball practices and then come comes back and implements them in the Canadian system. Okay. So she's basically in charge of all the basketball coaches in Canada. The development. Yeah, the development okay. of it. And yes. she just wrote a book for the NBA and she guest speaks for the NBA around the world. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And she's from here? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, she lives in Toronto now. Okay. And then for fun, she would score keep the Raptor ga- Raptors games on the side. Oh, and so the Raptors right I now. I know. She yeah, was she like... She be excited for she that. She was right there. Was, so, great game. high school sweetheart parents. Yes. They're 14. Madly in love still. Yeah, it's So, ridiculous. it's really nice to be able to see that. Um, and you're going through school. Mm-hmm. Where do you think you're going to end up? Honestly, I had no idea. My sister knew she wanted to do basketball from the time she was like 12 years old. Mm -hmm. So she was like volunteering and coaching kids and refereeing. And I always felt like, I don't know what I want to do. And I would just do what she did, mainly because my mom's like, I'm dropping you both off at one place. So you're going to do some basketball too. She had to go home and have a hanky with your dad on the couch. (laughs) Basically, yeah. And I would get the, that's why she picked me up late all the time. It makes so much sense. Um, But I would get uh, her old basketball shoes, like to the point that I thought I had a size nine foot till I was like, 17 till I went to go fi- buy my own rollerblades and my foot's a size eight. Oh, okay. But it's because I would the hand-me-downs. I'm like, mom, they don't fit right. She's like, yep, that's how a shoe fits. <laughs> like total Latvian immigrant mother was like, just, just try, just use it. Um, so I just did what she did and I did love the arts. I loved singing. Um, I used to train and sing opera. My dad's really big into music. He plays blues all around the city. So there's a big arts mm-hmm. side to my life. Um, and my dad was a lawyer, so we'd always 
or is still a lawyer, but we'd always like debate at dinner and like negotiate, which is kind of what I do now too. Mm-hmm. Um, and just see different sides of people, which is also like a very empathetic thing to do, which a lot of actors come in and they're just completely vulnerable in front of you and a lot like what you do and just being present and, and, and relating to them and giving them guidance on how to be even more vulnerable is right. kind of what I do. Right. I listen. Like I, for me, I love to listen to a story and then to mm-hmm. be able to, you know, to get more out of a person, but it's authentic what I'm getting. Right. You're asking people to be able to turn something on that they might not be feeling in that moment, right? Correct. You know, they might come in feeling pretty good and then you're like, I need you to be really sad. Yeah. Or they might be having a really depressed day and they've got to come in like, you know, this is the best day ever. Totally. And it's it's not an easy job to do, but um, I coach actors as well. Um, I privately coach a few of them and I use a lot of Meisner. So it's pulling from your past experiences. So with my actors that I coach, it's almost like we've done our therapy and we can look at sides, which are the lines actors need to learn for an audition. And we can point to things. I'll be like, think of your aunt, think of this, think of that. And it's really just about, you know, people watch a movie to see themselves in it. Right. That's what we're hoping for when we go to the movies and to take something away. We don't want to watch someone act. That's not fun. We want to experience what they're experiencing because we can relate to it. Even if it's not directly, we want to feel that. Um, I feel so much better now because I watch Wonder Woman and I'm like, I totally <laughs> want to be here. Like, I think we would be best sure. friends, right? Yeah. 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 That's interesting yeah. that that's the perspective you go with, that people want to see themselves totally. in these characters. Yeah. So how do you get into this? Okay, so school is what? What do you do? So I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I went and took early childhood education at Algonquin because I was like, oh, maybe I'll be a kindergarten teacher because mm-hmm. it was safe. And uh, at this point, I was madly in love with someone. And I was like, well, I'm just going to do the like. Yeah, you've been madly in love with this person since you were six. You guys started dating yeah. at 16. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So this relationship starts at 16. Yeah. So to me, it was, you know, like I'll do the what you're supposed to do thing, right? Like, I think we're both very much following the line of what we felt adulthood, quote unquote, is. So uh, I decided I would, I didn't know for sure what I wanted to do. So I don't want to go straight to university because my father, bless him, paid for, paid for my schooling. And so I was like, I'm not going to cost you that much. I'll go do my EC until I know for sure what I want to do. So I did that for two years at Algonquin, which I actually find has been very helpful with a lot of directors <laughs> and producers. I deal with. You know, just like getting down to someone's level, like playing you know, nice, de- dealing with <laughs> arguments between people and being able to be the middleman. It's, you know, that's Use That's, your how you feel in your conversation. Like, <laughs> Emotions. Yeah. 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 No, it's yeah. it's it's actually been very helpful. I can imagine. Yeah. Wow. And I actually feel like every parent should just have to take that. Like it should be a prerequisite to ever to being having a parent. sex. You know, like, <laughs> like, you know your sixty year old daughter is like, maybe I'm thinking. You're like, okay, well you have to take this to your course. <laughs> And then if you're still down, you can go to sex. Yeah, there you go. So you're doing early childhood. Yeah. And then uh, I finished that and I get a job at uh, Glee Parents Take Care. And it was great. And I loved it. And I loved the kids. And I took um, psychology at Carleton. So while I was there, I was working the before and after care at um, Glee Parents. And while I was in university, um, I started teaching acting classes through like a, another woman's acting studio. Okay. Were you acting in high school? Like were you doing drama? So I did, were you like, doing the plays? I did, plays, like, okay. I did musical theater. Mm-hmm. I did all those things and I was singing. Right. Okay. So that I really enjoyed. I do the Kiwanis 
all those kind of things. It was my therapy. I'd go sing even now, like when I'm upset, I'll be singing. My staff gets really annoyed. <laughs> like, how many times do you have to listen to over okay, the Okay, I'll ask you to sing before the end or of the podcast. main. No, please don't. <laughs> or or uh, Beyonce constantly. Okay. Like number one interview question for me is, how do you feel about Beyonce? You cannot like her. I just want to know how you feel about her. That's like number one because music's literally my religion. Is what. I, I well, hopefully <laughs> you might have some future, some, some future casting, uh, we'll some clients. Yes. Um, anyway, so, uh, we, uh, so I'm working at the daycare, I'm in university and I have, I'm also working at this acting, um, studio where I'm just teaching classes to like kids. Um, and we had some guest directors come in like David Rotenberg and rail and Bodie who are fantastic. And I would audit their classes and learn f- the way they were coaching and, you know, things like that. And I read the Meisner book and watching all these things online. So this Meisner is really about hitting deep into a person's personal experiences. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I decide, um, to switch to film studies cause I find it really interesting. And I was like, Oh, this is what I should have been doing this whole time. So I switched to film studies, still working at the daycare. And this uh, woman I worked for did background casting for, um, uh, movies of the week that were coming into town. Uh, but she also wanted to be an actress. So it was kind of a conflict of interest because she would exchange um, background casting for roles in the movie, um, which you're not supposed to do. And then I wouldn't always necessarily get paid, but I didn't care because I just loved the process of like filling these roles. And background casting, people can just be like, oh, you just put people in the background, but you're really creating a feel for the scene. And, you know, you still need male-female ratio, ethnicity ratio. And, you know, if it's a, a business scene or a high school scene or whatever, some of these extras really stand out and are really interesting. Mm-hmm. So um, I was doing that. And then uh, my very best friend told me that she got a job at the government and she had a six-month bridge in period. She goes, let's go backpack Europe for three months. And I go... Um, okay. And she's like, I can never do it again. I'll never be able to take vacation again. She's a total liar because she's done she's, like, she's working for the she government. just did Australia like last year <laughs> and she's done Thailand and all. I'm like, okay, but I'll drop out of school. <laughs> Let's go do this. <laughs> so we do. And, uh, we do that for three months. Um, and then I come back and I was like crazy in debt. And, um, I got a job working at Wild Wings while working at the daycare while helping book the background just to pay off my credit card like crazy. I did. And then eventually quit Wild Wings. It was very dramatic. Um, and then uh, I... Because I'm right now craving like... Now you like want hot, <laughs> Like bread and wings. Yeah. Anyway, so then I, um, I, I go back to the daycare and the woman I'd worked for called me and said, um, you know, I really want to be an actor and this isn't what I want to do. Um, would you like to buy my business? And I said, uh, yeah, just like give me a day to think about it. So I did. And I paid her 20% of what I did for the first two years. And then, uh, what I also did was I went to the different producers and said, you know, I can help you get, um, principal roles as well. And some of the larger principal roles instead of having to bring everyone in from Toronto, I can save you on per diem, et cetera. Let me try that. And they said, okay. So I How started you at this point, 22, 21. So I do that. And then what I did is I went online on IMDb, uh, 
internet movie database for people who don't know what it is. So I go in and I look up all my favorite movies and I look at who those casting directors are. And I probably sent like 35 to 40 emails to all these different casting directors in LA and said, I'm going to be in LA for a week and I'd love to sit down and meet with you. Only two responded, one being Deb Aquila, who's the head of Lionsgate and Meg Lieberman, who's the head of CBS. So I went to both those lots, met with both of them. That's pretty interesting that they would respond in the first place. Yeah. I'm sorry, but like an email coming from a... You know, and can I say at the time, like a no, a no yeah, name no, was, reference. Yeah. I was totally a nobody and I'd done maybe four movies and I'd said, you know, this is, this is what I'm doing. I'm in Ottawa, Canada, and this is, you know, where I want to be and blah, blah. I just love some guidance and to get to know you. And so Meg said her thing. And what's crazy is all these other ones that didn't do as amazing things as these two women didn't respond. But Meg goes, I want to know everybody. Mm. And she attributes that to part of her success, which makes sense, right? Um, so that was great. And then I came back, and what I did was uh, my ex and I had bought a house. Um, and who's this? My, You're saying my Meg. ex and I have okay. bought a house. But you, what's his name? <clears throat> oh, no, I oh, okay. Oh no. Okay. <laughs> oh, so you said my ex. My ex and okay. I. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. I was trying. I was like, did, did she say a name? Okay. <clears throat> no, no, no. So my ex and I bought a house. So this now we're doing person. like. Okay, but this is you've been the same guy. Yeah. Sixteen. So we're so now, now doing you're... the white picket fence by you know a nice suburbia home in Riverside South and. You know, got my SUV and and, and life, and now you see coming back from home LA. Yes. and you know, now I'm really gonna do it, and you know, and and the movie started really taking off. I got it, Michael Tuesdays and Thursdays TV show with Donna Keller. Like we started, I started doing really well, and I changed what the woman before me had into an actual business. Um, probably the business acumen I got from my dad from being a lawyer and a partner in a firm and understanding, you know, how can I streamline what I'm doing. Um, so I did. And then I was still working at the daycare. So I'd work 7.30 to 9.15. At the daycare. At the daycare in the Glebe. And then I'd drive to Riverside South. And then I'd work in my home office. I'd have my staff meet me there. And we would work till 3. I'd go back to the daycare. I'd work till 5.30. I'd go back home. And I'd work till like 10 p.m. Every day for almost three years. It was crazy. <laughs> and then I just had a full-blown mental breakdown. <laughs> Because it was insane. I was my weekends, my twenties weren't spent going to the club, getting drunk. They were spent, um, you know, just working and building this company. And even before I bought my house, um, you know, I'd convince my girlfriends to come over and hang out in my parents' basement, and I'd supply a bottle of wine. We'd all call extras. That was like our Friday nights. I'm like, come on, we'll just drink be here. Fun. We don't need but to go out. This is what I think people don't realize about wh- what it takes yeah. to to build a business. Yeah. That it's you know Friday night spent in a basement convincing your friends that drinking a bottle of wine and calling, and calling extras, extras <laughs> is, is gonna yeah. work, or having the two jo- this the job mm-hmm. twice a day. Yeah, because you need security. Like I needed. I need a a steady paycheck because I was working contract work and it wasn't as busy as it is now. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have as many clients literally around the world like I do now. So, But you needed those years to build it. Totally. So it it was, you know, sacrificing personal time. It was sacrificing, you know, freedom to do whatever. And and at one point, my sanity. (laughs) Okay. So what happens then? Are you, you're how long then with your ex at this point? I don't know, 10 years? 10 years in. Not a mom yet. No, not a mom yet. Not a mom yet. No, there's no way. It was, it's really hard, but yeah, no, no mom yet. No mom yet. But it's a, it's a full kind of exhaustion breakdown from just building. So 
how many years in at this pace are you going before you start to say, oh, this is not working? About three. Three years at that pace. Yeah. And so what happened? About 25-ish. Uh, maybe 26, actually. It might have been four years. Um, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep anymore. And I would just uncontrollably cry. I'd show up to the daycare and just start crying. And I'd have to leave. And I was just, re- and I was like, I don't even know why I'm crying. I just, I couldn't function. I couldn't sleep at night. And I remember I went to my doctor and I said, I think I need to quit my job. And I didn't want to leave because it was, you know, even when I broached like my parents about it, you know, my mom's like, well, you have, they both had one job their whole life. You don't leave a job that has a pension and benefits. You know, you don't, you don't do that. You know, it's a nice hobby you have going on the side, but you know, you really, you know, it, 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 I was able to get my house because of that job, mm-hmm. right? So um, I was getting conflicting reviews from everyone. And I went to my doctor and I said, I can't sleep. I can barely eat and I can't stop crying. And I just, I just want to sleep so bad. And she goes, well, um, I said, I said, I think I might have to quit my job. And she goes, we don't recommend doing that, especially if you have benefits, <laughs> especially if you're in this state, because you shouldn't make decisions like that in this state. So I was handed sleeping pills and some antidepressants and I like walked like a zombie and went and fulfilled, like filled out the prescription drugs and then got home and I mean, it could, it could have worked perfectly and I probably could have kept going, but I just, I threw them out and I called the daycare and I quit. And then I went and I slept for 13 hours straight and I just slept. <laughs> and then I woke up and I was like, okay, I'm just, I'm going to put everything into this now because I have a mortgage to pay every month and I have all this other stuff to take care of. And I don't know if I could ever get that job back. It's interesting that every person around you is saying, go A. Yeah. And then you kind of go home and go B. Totally B. <laughs> yeah. Like you went, in nope. the, you went in the very different direction. Yeah. And yet that was probably, if you look at it, such a pivotal moment of you. Huge. Like that, that going home and putting the prescription yeah. pills on the side yeah. and going, no, I'm just. You, I think in, in your gut, yeah. in your gut, you knew. I knew, I knew I wasn't depressed, right? And I so had that a wasn't lot it. Of, you weren't depressed. I wasn't depressed. I was, I was run down. I was done. I was exhausted. I was just, I was, I had too much on my plate and I had no quality of life and I couldn't keep running that way because then maybe it would have turned into pr- depression, but I, I definitely caught up first. I have so many friends who have gone on so many, you know, antidepressants and it's worked wonderfully for them, wonderfully for them. But that's what they needed. I knew that it wasn't depression for me. I knew I was just, I had too much. And the pressure was, is what was eating me away inside. So what happens when you wake up? So you sleep for 13 hours and it was like this. Did you wake up feeling like you're in a magical place with unicorns and rainbows? Or did you realize that you had a really long road ahead? Basically, I woke up and was like, Okay, I slept. So that's that's a step. And by saying like you weren't sleeping, were you you really just I really probably hadn't slept in like 3 days. Like I couldn't sleep. I couldn't stop crying, I couldn't stop sleeping. Was your head spinning? Were you was it lists of things like I'm going to tell you right now. I get up in the middle of the night these days mm-hmm. and I can't go back to sleep because like my checklist in my head. Of, See, I I didn't email this person back. I didn't right. do this. I didn't do this. I didn't do this. I didn't do this and I just Mm-mm. get into like such this negative all the failures that I had that day of right. what I didn't accomplish right. and it keeps me up. It's it wasn't that. It, it was I that. couldn't I couldn't relax enough to just sleep. 
I couldn't settle. And I wake up in moments like that, even now mm-hmm. with like to do or like, oh, I should have. I call them creative moments because I get up with great ideas and start writing or doing something like that. Do but, you have a pen or a pad behind, yeah, beside always. the bed? I got my journal right beside the bed all the time. Um, but yeah, there's moments like that. But I was just... I remember I was on the phone with my best friend who I went to Europe with and I I walked into the house and our house had no like direct houses facing us, but like the siding of another house. And I walk in the house and no one's home and the lights are off. And I was like, Oh my God, Ash, like I'm seeing people at like through the back of my window. And I'm like, Oh my God, maybe I'm like, maybe I'm schizophrenic. Maybe like I need to go to the hospital now, but it turned out my neighbor was just projecting a movie onto the side of the house. (laughs) But I was like, I was at that state that I'm like, something (laughs) is like, and she was like, Oh my God, what? And I was like, Oh no, I'm just fine. But like, I was, they're just crying on the phone. Like I I was just, I was done, but I didn't wake up being like, okay, it's perfect now. And life's great. And you know, I was like, was that the biggest mistake? Did I just let go of my security? Will this continue? to work? You know, will I continue to get contracts? Will I be able to pay for things? I had no idea. This podcast is brought to you by Extension Marketing. They are a new breed of marketing agency that acts as your virtual marketing department, designing and implementing cost-effective marketing strategies that will grow your business. I can speak to this personally as I've been using the Extension Marketing team to help me launch and grow my business. Founder Pat Whalen has been a lifesaver for me, a genuine coach guiding me along the way into uncharted territory. Tell them you're a friend of the show and receive a free one-hour consultation. Check them out at extensionmarketing.com. Right. So so you wake up after 13 hours. Yeah. Your ex, who is, you know, at this point been in your life for 10 some years, yeah. kind of comes home and you're like, hey, honey. Guess what I did today? I think he knew it was coming. Yeah. Like we're, we're, we're really good communicators, uh, to a point, but, uh, I, you know, he was like, do not take the drugs. You're not depressed. You're, I see you just running yourself to the ground. It's probably more it. And, uh, at the time he was like, you do what makes you happy. So, which was great and we'll figure it out. And we did. So that, that was really helpful to have. Okay. But, um, yeah, I think it was just my parents' mindset of the way they're brought up, right? I think that's what a lot of people still battle is the yeah. expectations of what people expect you to be mm-hmm. doing. Um, you know, and oftentimes you you don't choose the life you want to be living based on expectations or Correct. what you think people are expecting of you. Correct. Even as a kid, my dad would be like, What are you gonna be when you grow up? And I'd be like, happy. And he'd be like, Can't get mad at that, okay. <laughs> That's a good answer. It's a great answer. Really gets people off your back. (laughs) It does. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So at this point, how does the business grow? Because you have then taken uh, Smythe Casting to a very different level. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you're talking about you've got, you know, 300 and some people on any given day working sets, working things. What was the joy for you? Was it seeing a successful production or seeing a, a, a young actor or actress make it and do a great job in their first role. Like where's, where's the passion aspect for you? So I think a lot of it is, um, guiding actors. Um, so I've brought, um, again, I coach actors and there's also people who've done background work for me and I've seen them, you know, helped them get an agent. And then from that agency, you know, 
be a lead on a network series for Netflix. You know, like I've seen things like that change in people's lives and I've watched people grow as actors and especially in such a regional market where there's so much ignorance to the industry. To Are be we able- ignorant here? Oh, completely, completely ignorant to, you know, like tips on how to get an agent. People don't understand but is there a lot of talent? Is it, what are the expectations? People, here's the thing. Do people just want to, I just want to be famous. Well, that's, that's ridiculous. <laughs> right. But you. But I mean, that. you can do it now. YouTube and Instagram and all that. You can just be famous if you want to and hawk, you know, hair supplements and, and make money that way. If that's truly what you're passionate about. But I doubt that's really what's going to make you happy at the end of the day. But watching actors who are actually interested in the art and, build their career and make the right choices and put in the works when preparation meets opportunity with anything in life and you see them do this, it's to me, that feels great because I know I've helped some of these people along the way and that, and that feels good and giving people opportunity. I like make people's day when they get cast, you know, making that phone call if they don't have an agent or even to the agent saying, so it's their time, you know, and people who I've seen take classes and classes and classes and are just like, and then they finally get cast. It's great. But it, it could often be like they could be the best actors, but it could come down to the look, the height, the, you know, like the voice. Like there's you could so look many like things that are so ex-wife out of your control. And they don't want to hire you. <laughs> you know, like there's so many things out of your control. Do you, is that the tough part? Is that frustrating? It's very frustrating because I don't actually get to choose the actor, right? You just offer them. It's it's my job to invite you to the party. It's your job to win over the room, if that makes sense. Yeah, it totally does. And yeah. is that what you tell people when they walk into your office? Basically. And, you know, I teach them relaxation and things like that on how not to, you know, screw themselves over. But people have bad days and it happens. But the difference is, is my job as casting director is to tell the director who I know is polite, who's great, who's going to be fun on set in those long hours, who um, is well-trained, who can, you know, create something with the character and bring something different than might, than what might just be right on the, the, the page. It'll be, do you go back to your childhood days of reading a script and in your head, picturing or imagining that person? Sometimes even now when I like, I'm old school with scripts, I always have a pen and paper. I still like printing them so I can like and then I use it all for my notes, but, um, I'll write exactly now I think of actors and not just what people look like. So I think of actors that I know as I read and I'll write it down and start making my list right there as I read. Okay. It. So let's go through this. So you've got parents. I do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, no. But you have parents who think their kids could be a star, right? Mm. So what's it like dealing with them? Let's go through kind of, that's a lot. Um, it's great. So I, I, I actually run a workshop specifically for parents who want to get their kids into the industry because again, it's a regional market and people are ignorant to how it works here. Um, and there is a lot of talent here. It's, you know, talent, um, we're not limited on talent. It's, it's not geographical, but opportunity is, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I just want to make sure that if parents are putting their kids to work, because that's literally what your kid will be doing is working. You know, you're there. It's long hours. Um, You need to know your kid wants to be doing it. 
and is comfortable. And you need to know all the rules before doing it. What are the rules? Well, you should know the child labor laws. You should know the actor rules for a kid on set. You should know um, what an agent's supposed to be doing, what an agent shouldn't be doing, um, where the money goes, how to properly invest your kid's money, you know, all those kind of things so that you're not showing up to set and not understanding the process. So there's a workshop that you do for them. Specifically for them. Specifically for them. You've got a kid who's 17 off the street saying, oh my God, everyone tells me I'm so beautiful. And they said I should be an actress. What do you say to you? (laughs) You're beautiful. That's awesome. Um, Do you want to act? Do you want to learn how to act? Because sometimes people, you know, you find a diamond. And I used to run like uh, open casting calls once a year. I've just been too busy to do it. Maybe I'll do it again next year. But um, some of these people are those kids just off the street. And there's, I'll maybe find one diamond out of 400 of someone who's just very natural and doesn't have to work at it, but it's very rare. One in 400, you would say yeah. that you would, that would even catch a glimpse of yeah. there's, there's some talent there. Yeah. Or, you know, like you could hear someone with, you know, a nice voice and say, you know what, with the right training and learning the right breathing technique, it'd be incredible. Hmm. Right. So it's the same kind of thing. And there are tone deaf actors as well. You know, I've, I've audited classes cause I audit classes in Toronto and LA and I see actors. So I'm like, Oh, this guy's here again, still just not getting it, you know? And it's, it's a shame, but if they're there and they're enjoying their time, then how about it? it? But it's, it's a passion. Yeah. It's but passion it's still project. a thing. How has it changed in terms of the demographics, the look? Um, you know, we, we just saw like a Sandra O oh really yeah, making a, a, a massive stand in terms of the look and mm. the, ethnic, the ethnicity is changing. Is it changing as fast as we think it is or not really? Oh, no, it definitely is. Yeah. 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 Right from the beginning. But I think I was always, whenever I would read a script, I'd always say, can this also be a woman? Can this cop also be a woman? Just, just mm-hmm. to open it up. Why are we, especially? So you would see cop, but then you would say in your head, does yeah. it say it has to be a male cop or a female cop? Exactly. Or even if it said male lawyer, I go, could we also make this lawyer a female? Like I constantly was doing that since I started. Um, same with ethnicity. Unless I'm matching a family that doesn't have an adoption story, then that doesn't have an adoption story. Yeah, right? then it yes. just makes total sense that mm-hmm. you know, trying to match family. Other than that. It's, you know, I'm now seeing leads that would never have been leads five years ago. But the difference is, too, is trying to convince people to give other people opportunities whose resumes aren't as full as maybe the white guy's resume, right? They've had more opportunities. Because they've had more opportunity in the past. So you're building this business. Mm -hmm. Uh, You are going full throttle ahead. Mm -hmm. Uh, When does motherhood, when does all this? Because this gets thrown into the mix while you're doing all of this. And let's be realistic. You throw motherhood into building a business, kind of juggling a schedule. And this Mm -hmm. is where I feel like the superhuman powers. And it's also an erratic schedule. There's nothing like... It's not a nine to five. You don't know when you're done work. It's you're done when we're done, essentially. Um, I felt that the day... (laughs) That I was on set with you. Yeah. Yeah. So I... I was like, so I guess it just needs to rain a little bit more and then we'll be done. Because <laughs> then they're just going to wrap it. Basically. Yeah. Basically. So um, I ended up pregnant, I believe I was 28. Um, so then you've been with this person for 12 years. Yeah. 16. It's like yeah. childhood sweetheart. Yeah. Okay. So uh, 28, uh, we get pregnant and we were like... 
you know, vacillating, do we get married or try for a baby? And his family had issues conceiving. So we're like, well, that would be the cost of a wedding if it didn't work. So let's just go there first, go there first and see, and you know, whatever we've been together forever. It didn't, that wasn't a thing to me. You know, I always tell my mom like, yeah, I think we'd have a surprise wedding. And she's like, that'd be fun to plan. I was like, no, I mean like surprise. I got married two weeks ago. (laughs) To me, that's just, you know, not, (laughs) not my idea of a fun time. I'm like, I don't like enough people to buy them dinner, which isn't true. I like, yeah, I I have a feeling you have enough (laughs) people in there. Yeah. But I like that. Mom, we're good thinking of a surprise. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. No, not the way you're thinking. Anyways. Uh, so end up pregnant. Uh, pretty decent pregnancy, migraines from time to time. Um, and I worked, I remember the best laid plans, which was a primetime series that came to Ottawa that was shooting off of, um, a book that a guy named Terry Fallis wrote, um, all about the parliament it was really interesting. But I, um, I met with them when I was like six months pregnant and they're like, Hey, we want you to, to do the casting. And I was like, you're yeah, like, I'm, um, I'm going to be like, and they're like, no, 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 we still want you. It's fine. I was like, okay. So I had that at an $8 million feature from Australia. That was a period piece. And we had like a thousand extras on this movie. Shooting here. Shooting here in an upper Canada village. Um, and I had. See, there's so much going on that we have no clue is going on. Yeah. And I had, uh, a, I think two Lifetime movies as well as a bunch of those A&W commercials going like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like Best Burger. Try it. Which is fun. Um, and right into like my 10th month of pregnancy, I'm on set. I was still doing all the background work, but I have a picture of me there with like a hundred extras around. I'm like huge typing on my computer. And then, uh, I went into labor eight days early. I had two days off that I knew was going to be that weekend. And I was like, I can't wait to not be working and just have my feet up for two right, days before I go to give. Yeah. And I was like cycling three dresses at this point because I'm like, whatever would just get on me. And it was July and I was so hot <laughs> wearing flip flops and wearing these dresses all the time. Um, and then I remember I was working, it was late. It was like 11 PM at night in my office at the house. And I had two staff over. There's still staff at your house at 11 o'clock at night. Oh yeah. 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 Well, we had a lot of movies, <laughs> we had a lot of things going on and, and TV shows shoot in blocks. So it shot in like six blocks. So we're casting for one while the other one's shooting. Mm-hmm. Well, this one's got by it anyways. And that $8 million feature had like a hundred and something casts. Um, it was a lot, but, uh, I'm sitting there. I'm like, Oh, I'm getting these pains going on. And, and my associates like, uh, you're in labor. And I was like, get your job done. Like we're not here to throw stones. Let's just get our job done. Okay. She's like, okay. Anyways. Uh, then I go to bed and at this point, uh, my ex and I were sleeping head to toe because I couldn't handle the breathing. Cause I was just very sensitive in my last week of pregnancy. And, uh, I remember I was like scrolling Facebook and I'm like, okay, if this kid's born today, cause I was getting like the Braxton Hicks situation. I was like, who do I know born today? And there's this one guy in high school that I couldn't stand that was born the same day. And he was like, it would make substitute teachers cry. And he'd always be like, I'm Alona because I'd always have my shoulders up or something. And I was like, Oh, that guy was so mean. Anyways, I go into full labor and I have this thing where I was want to shower when I don't feel well, like anytime I get a little too drunk, I try to take a bath and try to Whitney Houston myself. My friends always get mad at me. This is like, you know, younger. Years. It's like a bath though. It's not like a shower it, or a shower. Bath, okay. Either okay. or. <laughs> anyway. So I get into the shower 
And my ex is like, I think you're in labor and I should call the hospital and like, we should leave. And I was like, so-and-so was born today. And unless you can find me a decent human born, I'm not going to go. And he was like, what? And he's you like, can find a single celebrity born on that day. Well, so he's like Googling. And he's like, um, Sandra Bullock, uh, Mick Jagger. And I'm like, no. Anyways, my godmother ended up being born or my mom's best friend uh, on the same day. So I got at the shower. I was like, okay, let's go. So I go uh, 13 hours of labor. I miss, I want to say 12 phone calls while I'm in labor because he's eight days early and it happened at night and no one was expecting that. So eventually after we had the kid and the whole family's there, I get rolled in. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. So eventually after we have the kid. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we're still in the hospital. Okay. I get rolled into our room and, uh, I'm like on the phone. I had to call one producer back and say, and he's like, where were you? I've been calling you. And I was like, sorry, I just had my kid. And he's like, when? I was like, I, like two hours ago. And he's like, okay, call me Monday. And I was like, it is Saturday morning. And I was like, okay. Um, the other one who's a really good friend of mine and a business partner of mine now, I just, Literally took a picture of my kid and texted him and said, I did this today. <laughs> so I was like, I don't. He's like, oh, okay, fair. Um, so yeah, then I'm lying there and and then the nurse comes and she's like, oh, uh, uh, Alona Smythe, like Smythe Casting Smythe? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, oh, my son, my husband are in your database. And I'm like, great. <laughs> so then I give her some advice <laughs> while breastfeeding, while she's teaching me how to breastfeed. And then three days later, I was downtown in a casting session for the next block of that TV show. Do you have the kid? Because right now we're calling him the kid. The kid. Yeah. Corbin, the Cor- sweetest. Thank you. The sweetest little boy. Um, he, uh, Is he joining you on? He must be joining yes, you on set. So yes. he's just with you at work. So my mom, bless her heart, was a NICU nurse for 35 years. And the second, essentially, I had him, she's like, and I retire. And I was like, thank, thank you. So when I say, like, I have the best family and there's, you know, there's a truth to that safety net. And it's not necessarily necessarily a financial safety net, I'd say, for my family. It's more of about a support. Like, we all know we have each other no matter what in any situation. You know, like, my sister gets her heart broken. I'm like, I'll fly to Toronto tomorrow or whatever. You know, like, we're just we're there and we'll figure a way to make it work. So my mom was, you know, walking around with the stroller and then I'd I'd step out and feed him and give him back and yeah. Three days late. Like, yeah. I think it was technically four days later, but I mean, two of those were in the hospital. Right. So, so I'll give you, I'll give you the four days. Okay. Right. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> oh. Are there any postpartum? Like, I mean, you're, you, you have no chance to slow down your. Right. Um, no, but I did end up back in emerge seven days later. Um, just because I had an episiotomy and I wasn't taking care of it. I was. No, you just, were on set. Yeah. I yeah, was working. You, yeah. <laughs> so. She was like, what are you doing? I was like, do you suggest this? I mean, like it's, I mean, I, I, I get the hustle. I get there's a hustle needed. Yeah. Do you think you could have done it without the hustle? Like, could you have at the time you didn't think now I could, Yeah. now I could, but I was also, I am a girl who was a creative. I, you know, was learning business acumen as I was running a business. So even learning to delegate post having Corbin, like I had never not done the background work. So for me, I'm like, it's not fair to have staff in my home anymore. And I went and got an office, right? I'm like, that's not fair to my kid to have these people coming in and out. And I was and not fair to have the phone ringing and me have to mute it or unplug it at night. So it turned into, and I was getting like some weird death threats and some weird, you know, some weird online people. No, some, I don't know. Okay. Why so, would, why would no, you? No, just commentary. That? Like I find this industry kind of attracts, um, some characters 
And then, you know, I, I, for liability reasons, don't put specific people on set. And then it turns into like angry messages or phone calls on the office phone. And like, yeah, mm. there's moments like that. Um, not so much anymore, but I just didn't like the idea of it being in my house anymore either, especially with him there. So I moved to the office and, um, yeah, so that was better, but there is the hustle and I learned to delegate and no longer be doing the background work and be getting phone calls at 10 o'clock at night or 2am if I have, you know, an overnight shoot and something's not working and they need to call me. I've now delegated that to my associates. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's more than one of us. So we take turns. So it's not like one person's constantly on call, on call at two o'clock in yeah. the morning. Did you like motherhood? Like, are you, I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. And he's just, he was such a great baby and he's such a great kid and he's such a character and so imaginative. And it's just fun to like see everything again, but through his eyes, it's really, really cool. You'd like to be able to think this has like this happy ending of like, you know, high school sweethearts at 16, yeah. you build this business, <laughs> you have, you know, no, finally it's life. Baby it doesn't and, work that way. <laughs> yes. Uh, so the, the expectations <clears throat> and the doing everything the way you were supposed to eventually kind of It eventually falls broke. And you know what? I mean, I could sit here and go over like a thousand reasons. Maybe, maybe I worked too much. I know he had a company that wasn't doing great at the time. So maybe I emasculated him. Maybe, you know, maybe he just didn't love me. Who knows? But all I know is it became very verbally abusive for a period of time. And I'm not someone who's going to sit by and allow that to happen. And, uh, for all those years, uh, we didn't fight very often at all. Um, and it really came down to, uh, just like a lot of effect on, on the words he was saying to me and in front of our child. And I basically just turned to him and said, you know, uh, I put Corbin for a nap and I said, you know, the things you're saying aren't very nice and we have little ears around. I'm not going to have a, a boy grow up and listen to a man speak to a woman this way. So you have two choices, go stay with your mom for a couple of days or smarten up and let's make this work. And he said, I'm just done. Just as simple as that and walked out the door. So it was straight, but straight into the house of the girl he had been with. <laughs> so one of those situations, but I was, you know, probably not as attentive and working and didn't notice, you know, I had inklings of something else going on. I mean, it's hard to, right? You're, you're on a set, you're in places you've got. Yeah, I wasn't so like, much on set at that time, no, but I'm listening to this yeah. schedule that you're keeping and yeah. not to say anything, but I mean, to be able to have this discussion and it wasn't really a discussion. It was yeah. like, okay, to, I have A and B and I'm going A. So mm-hmm. you're then Corbin's two. Corbin's two. And I was devastated. I was A, my first heartbreak. Well, yeah, you hadn't so, had any. You've been yeah, with us. I don't even know what that him. experience is like. Plus, I can't just take two weeks off work for sick leave or something while I try to mend this situation. And I had a house to carry and daycare to carry and a business to carry and staff to carry and had to keep working, right? Other people's livelihoods were dependent on me, you know, can you, continuing. Can you go in your office and, and cry? Oh, so many times. Okay. So many times. <laughs> And like now I had lawyers and it was like, oh my God, what happened to my life? You know, and it, and it got ugly for a bit and then it was okay. And it was just, you know, I didn't understand what I did to have been treated that way. And I done, I felt a lot. And then I'd lost like a lot of friends, a lot of 
people because I found out a lot of people had known. So I cut all those people from my life. Um, you know, I still had my immediate family. Uh, I had my girls, my best friends and, uh, actually some of his family still, (laughs) but like, it was just like, I just, you know, it was, it was heartbreaking and it was really hard to, I, I felt like, which sucks because having had my early childhood education, my favorite age group was two to three. Those kids, like every day they learn a new word. Every day there's something new and different and, you know, just taking the time to go to the park and whatever. And I felt like I wasn't present from two to three in my kid's life. I feel like I really missed that because I felt like I was a walking zombie. Like I was so heartbroken. I was so busted and, and, and angry and sad and confused um, and didn't understand how someone could do that to me or you know, even the person he did it with, I'd met. And to me, I was like, this is insane, you know? So overcoming all that and just accepting was probably was faster than the average person because I'm lucky to do what I love. So you found, you found therapy in the work. Can I extent, say that? Yeah. And I mean, I went and saw a therapist a couple times, but I mean, it just didn't really work for me. It wasn't you know, I just felt I'm going to find my happy and I'd write, I'd write every day. That was, that was my therapy was just getting out. Exactly. I'd write to my son. I'd write to myself, you know, I'd find ways through it. And I didn't want my kid growing up thinking that me and his dad didn't like each other. You know, even now he'll be like, why are you and dad not together? I'm like, well, we decided we're way better as best friends and that's just what we want, you know? And so many people love you and you're so lucky. That's kind of like our take on it. Um, because you know, you're, you're going through this. I, I, I just look at this too, with how much was on your plate Mm -hmm. and how many people were dependent on you. And I'm thinking about the hundreds of people that are kind of in placements and doing things Mm -hmm. and you're kind of going into the bathroom, letting out a good cry, coming back out and kind of going, okay, so where are we going? Or people had like showed up for a meeting at the office. And I remember Rebecca, my old associate would like open the door and be like, okay, I'm not today. No, sorry. She's actually on the phone. And it's a really important call. And I'm like, <laughs> like oh my God. What really happens in the boss's yeah, office, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. She's just having a bit yeah. of a meltdown. She'll, yeah. She'll, yeah. She'll and I think the out. biggest heartbreak of it, and I'm, I'm sure other women who have gone through this would say, and, and, you know, we do 50, 50 with our son, which is great because he's a great dad. Um, it's, uh, it was not having my kid a hundred percent of the time anymore not being able to see and not having that access to my child just when I wanted him, you know, and, and my ex is really great. Like when I travel or he travels, we'll switch weekends. Like it's not, Mm -hmm. there's no animosity anymore. There's nothing going on. It's, it's, it's really pleasant, but that was my biggest heartbreak was not having my kid with me. And you don't have a kid to have them half the time, right? That's not the purpose of creating life. But I also, you know, had watched other friends and other mothers build their life entirely for their children. And then near retirement age or when their kids are, you know, going to university, they don't have a purpose and they don't know who they, they are. don't know who they are. Yeah. And I didn't want to be that because I think it's really healthy for my kid. I think it's amazing the for the, for it. that, for him to see a strong woman leader, yeah. uh, provider, yeah. Yeah. you know, if you, if you looked at your checklist and the life lessons that your son is learning from you, 
I think I hope there's some, you know, I think there's a lot. And then the best was I was like, okay, well, I only have them 50% of the time. What am I going to do with this other half? So, um, I decided to start traveling and showing up. I think Woody Allen, who I don't like quoting for obvious reasons, um, said 80% of it is just showing up. So I started going to the American film market. I started going to the European film market. Um, you know, I would say yes to opportunities. Um, you know, I met David Ortiz at, uh, one of our movies got into TIFF and we had like a premiere party and I met David Ortiz there, um, at the after party, he was like there for Red Sox reasons. And, uh, we started talking and then he started talking about making movies in the Dominican. And then a week later, uh, me and my business partner get an email saying, you know, come to the Dominican for David's retirement party. I'm like, yeah, okay. I'm not going to say no to that. <laughs> of course I'll go, yeah. you know? And then there we are partying with Beyonce's yeah. mom and who, you know, like, I'm like, this is, but it's you showing up, but it's and me showing up. So it's the, it's the domino effect. Yeah. And I think when you're looking at people taking it, like switching mindset and looking yeah. at opportunities, 80% yeah. of it is just showing yeah. up. And I could sit there crying about how I don't get my kid a hundred percent of the time, but it's not going to do any service for me in any way. So what am I going to do? I'm going to take that 50% of the time and I'm going to fill it with stuff. I love opportunities. And yeah, there's some days I sit at home and, you know, just watch Netflix and, and my slippers and do nothing. But it's about making the most of that time that I'm not sitting there just angry and sad. When you say 80% of the time is, is showing up, what would you give advice? Mm -hmm. Because people are going to look at you and then, you know, when I look at you've like gotten over 90, you know, projects worldwide now and major films and, you know, and you have schmoozed with the A-listers and and people, I mean, I know Jennifer Lawrence was, you know, part of that, you know, like, it's like, Hey, yeah. What would you say, like, what are your tips or suggestions of, of coming at it and finding the success that you have and knowing that there's going to be, and I'm learning, it's not all in a straight line. You know what it is? There's a lot of ups and downs. It's like, there's a couple things. And I like say these all the time. It's the worst anything anyone will say to you is no. And then you're no further along than when you started. Whether it's an actor coming into an audition, it's the worst case scenario is they're going to say no. So why stress about it? It's such wasted time, right? So there's that in life. Just ask. Just ask for what you want, one. Two is taking time for gratitude. Like, I don't, like, I'm not a very religious family. Like, my dad played music all the time uh, when he was a kid. Like, and I think we were baptized Lutheran through, like, a Latvian church, whatever it was. I don't know. But, um and I baptized my son because my grandma asked because mm-hmm. uh, I had my kid out of wedlock. And she was like, the least you could do is this. And I was like, all right, well, I'll get you the VIP pass to heaven if that's what we need. But he, um, um, yeah, it's at night instead of doing the prayer, we do, what are you grateful for? So we lie in bed and I ask him what three things he was grateful for in the day. So it's just a good way to start your day and end your day is think of three things you're grateful for. Because as no matter what the worst day was, did you wake up? Are you relatively healthy? Were you able to shower today in clean water? Like there's, you can find the most simple things to be like, okay. I don't know. Those are the things I use basically. I like that. I I like the, the worst case scenario is now. Yeah. I think so many people don't ask, or yeah. don't try just for the fear of failure. And I can imagine in your industry, Failure is 95% mm-hmm. of the time yeah. until you get that one, you know, And I had chance. mass amounts of failures. Like I did my taxes wrong between 2010 and 2013. I ended up with a $98,000 debt two weeks before my ex walked out on me. It took me 10 months to get out of that debt. 
But I was like, it was a stressful time. And female business women or any business people don't even talk about proper accounting. Like I was 20 something and I was working at daycare and running a business. I didn't know how to do corporate taxes. I was like, I think, I think this is right. Also math isn't my thing, but now I have a proper accountant and it'll never happen again. You know, like it's, there's moments that, and I think it's important, especially for young female entrepreneurs who want those lessons, the quicker you learn them, you know, the less likely they're going to happen to you. Where do you suggest young female entrepreneurs? There weren't that many when you started out. No. Where should they be going now? I mean, I have some great mentors. Um, but there's there's some entrepreneur groups, like there's the EO, um, the Entrepreneurs Organization. There's a bunch of places, but there must be places in town. I've just like, you know, knock, knock, like, I think it was three months after my ex left me. Um, one of my mentors, Diane, who owns Accurate, which is a... Um, an advertising company called me and said, I'm, I'm looking for keynote speakers for the EO, um, uh, Sprott school of business girls day at Carleton. Mm-hmm. Would you be our keynote speaker? And I said, okay, I dropped out of there, but can I, can I, can I still go? And she's like, yeah. So I went and did that because I just was like, I'm going to say yes. I'm just going to show up and I'm going to do it. I'd never keynote speak at that time. I guess speak at Carleton mm-hmm. or sorry, at Algonquin and different acting classes, but I haven't, I hadn't spoken about me, but since then I've done like Queens and other places. And it's, it's different know. when you're doing a keynote of yeah. other topics and changing yeah. it onto yourself. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've learned that one. Yeah. And since then I've opened two other businesses and you know, I've just, I enjoy what I do for people who are looking for more information. Mm-hmm. I mean, as, as you had mentioned, we are ignorant in what is happening here in the city, Toronto, Montreal, there's sounds, there's a sound studio coming to yeah. Ottawa. Like there's, there's a big business and big opportunity mm-hmm. here now. Yeah. Yeah. And they need more crew too. Like if working on a movie sets, you're, thing talk to the Ottawa film office like there's a lot of opportunity for people here and how are you finding your talent me uh uh well a through agencies b through our database as well as our social media following is pretty big so you how do people get to you so they can go on facebook yeah and the OG original group I started my business on is Smythe Casting Dash Ottawa, which mm-hmm. was group before the pages even existed. Or you can go to our page, Smythe Casting, or you can go to our Instagram, uh, which is at Smythe Casting. Um, With and a that's why. Yes. Like the road, <laughs> Smythe. Um, no E either. Um, but yeah, you go there and. And zero to 100, you're looking for people all the time. All the time. I mean, if you're zero, probably not, but like up until like three or four, we're looking for twins. You know, I get a lot of people being like, my toddler's super cute. I'm like, do you have two of them? And do they look the same? (laughs) Because it's a, it's a time thing on set, right? So, so usually anyone younger than three. Yeah. Twins. Twins. Sometimes four. Sometimes four. Sometimes four. Yeah. These are little things into the industry, right? That you're trying to figure out. Yeah. No, I have a lot of tips. Do a whole other one just on acting. <laughs> okay, give me three. Yeah, because the time's run out. Right, right, right. Okay, three, three, three tips for those that are wanting to get into the industry um, before I wrap this up. Uh, an agent works for you. You don't work for them. And an agent shouldn't take anything from you except for the percentage, 15% of what you make, which is what, what a proper agent does. Mm-hmm. Um, you uh, need training. Shocking. You know, you wouldn't go do brain surgery if you didn't train for it. Um and learn relaxation, meditate, be prepared for a no, cause it'll happen, but be okay with it. 
about it. You can find it all Smythe Casting. Yeah. S-M-Y-T-H on Facebook, their Facebook group. And uh, Alona, thank you so much. Like thank I think you. it's really just interesting to know the stories and the businesses that are happening here yeah. that I think I had no idea. Like when I was on that set, I'm like, oh my God, this is happening. You're like, this is happening at four other places today. <laughs> yeah, like, it was really quite insane. fascinating. And that's a wrap of Living Your Life with Leanne Lang. Thanks so much for listening, for subscribing, liking, sharing, uh, and helping to see the podcast grow. Alona, thank you so much. And everyone else, have a great day. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network.